1: Hello and welcome to tonight's episode of the 1871 podcast and our special guest tonight is the Reading Chronicles Royals reporter James Earnshaw. But before we speak to James, a heads up for you that we've got a few more episodes coming up over the next few days. Now on Wednesday evening our guest will be the current Reading FC commercial director Tim Kilpatrick and then on Thursday evening, fingers crossed, We are hoping to have Royals legend, Leroy Lita, as our special guest. So that's still to be confirmed, but as I say, fingers crossed. So that will be Thursday. And then on Friday, we've got something a bit different for you. We'll have two special guests joining us from the Reading Royals ice hockey team Mm -hmm. in Reading, Pennsylvania. And we'll be talking to them about what they do to engage with their fans and the local community in Reading and Pennsylvania. And Reading Royals also have a lion as their mascot, uh, not called Kingsley, called Slapshot, obviously being ice hockey. (laughs) So that's something a bit different for you on Friday evening. And then on Sunday, we'll be bringing you our Reading FC quiz. So feel free to tune in anytime from 10am on Sunday and test your Royals knowledge. And coming soon, we've got Royals legend Steve Koppel back on as a special guest. So really looking forward to having Steve back on as a guest. Um, so we're bringing James in a minute, but firstly, talking of Royals legends, welcome back to Dylan Kerr. And just to bring our listeners up to speed, Dylan, um, obviously you took over Marumo Gallants in the South African Premier Division with Gallants bottom of the table, and they'd only won two games in the league all season, now you came in they promptly won their first four games with you in charge and you're unbeaten in the league since you took over so bring us up to speed how's it all going there for you
0: Yeah it's 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 typical bottom of the league uh football at the moment everybody's under pressure to get results we we've, we've played a cup game uh, in South Africa which I won 2 years ago with this team we unfortunately we lost 3-1 against Mamelodi Sundowns who are the best the best team in South Africa at the moment. Well, sorry, for the last five years, you know, they've won the league. Um, And on Sunday, we played against TS Galaxy in Bloemfontein, and there was about 10,000 people that turned up in a rugby stadium, uh, which is unheard of, you know, that uh, they allow football in rugby stadiums. Obviously, it was built for the World Cup, and... We just couldn't score. We just couldn't score. We got a point, we get a clean sheet, the first clean sheet that the club have, have had. Um, so I would like to say I'm happy with the point, but I'm disappointed. Uh, and we actually, I have just had a meeting, I said, you know, I, I feel like we lost the game on Sunday. You know, we had 17 attempts at goal and we hit the side netting, we hit the post, we had three cleared off the line, we had four deflections that went over the keeper and just hit the bar or, you know, went just dipped over. Everything we did, they didn't have one single shot. Um, so we're going in the right direction. But I've been in charge 28 days and we've had seven games in 28 days. And we've travelled to Zambia and we've travelled to Algeria. So it's been an absolute disaster for a, for a kind of recovery and getting the players to play. But what what, what we've got is, you know, I've brought a great team of uh, team spirit and we've got a great dressing room and you know that that's going to help us uh, you know to, to to get these points and I think the players uh just now in the meeting you know understand where we, where we are and where I am now so um you know when when you when you're when you're, on, when you're in that rock bottom position you know everybody's you know casting doubt about you know are i going to survive will it work but we're, we're doing that at the moment and i'm I'm very very happy.
1: Well, we wish you well with that, obviously. And then, uh, as if you needed uh, cheering up after after the disappointment of that result, then uh, I'm, I'm guessing you watched the the Man United game, so uh, that 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 cheered you up no end, I'm sure. Let's, let's not talk about that. Let's okay. not talk. Moving on, moving on. So, but no, Go on. No, for, for for that, I
0: watched it. I was we was in Bloemfontein. Bloemfontein is very Afrikaans, right? And uh, we was in the hotel and. Uh, I made them put the football on, and obviously they complained because they're all rugby fans. But we were watching it, and I mean, they were all—they they all became Liverpool fans because of the 7 0 score. But the, the, the amount of messages I've got, you know, the memes and the videos, and oh, I mean, they've been taking the piss out of me today. That everybody I know is a Liverpool fan. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you know. no, more than, no more than you would have expected, I'm sure. But um, look, Johnny, I come to you now. It's been uh, been a couple of days now since Reading's five nil defeat at Middlesbrough. How are you feeling now? <laughs> Much the same, really. I think it's
2: uh, is a disaster. Um, you know, we've about to put it behind us and move on. That's you know, we got Sheffield United and Millwall this week. Two big games, two cup finals again, isn't it? And yeah, we hope that uh, we get a team go out there, play with the right spirit start on the front foot and then go for it. That's, you know, we've got nothing to lose. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, our away form is abysmal. But I, there's something that needs to be done um, psychologically, attitude or whatever, because we just crumble. And, you know, you, you lose games, but to blame it on, you know, the referee didn't give a penalty. Well, that happens. It doesn't excuse you losing 5-0. You know, you need to stick in with the game. I'm
1: sure Dylan would agree, with the coach. Yeah, uh, and um, j- just to say, if if you can hear a, a, an echo with Johnny, he's he's taken a break from work. As he's very reliable on this show, as as you all know. Um, but they've uh, he's obviously hiding. You're hiding in a cupboard or something again, aren't you? So hence hence the echo. But look, right here, here's you know I I like to put a positive spin where I can. There's there's not much positive to come out of um, Saturday's game but in terms of the overall situation here's what I think now firstly we don't need to worry that Burnley might beat the 106 record this season they're not going to and I'll tell you why they can only afford to drop three points in the remaining 11 games because the maximum they can get is 110 they've dropped six points in the last five games so that's not happening so that's that done Secondly, although the scoreline at Middlesbrough, obviously, massive disappointment, the the manner of the defeat, um, all that sort of thing as well. Big, big disappointment, especially you've got to feel a bit sorry for the Reading fans who made the journey and uh, witnessed that. But let's be honest, it's not a massive surprise that that we came away without any points. Um, So it's not really a positive. But um, what I would say is for me, it's all about staying up this season and then we go again next season. And who, who knows what's going to happen? But um, even if we do get the six-point deduction and it, we're going to talk to James about that, James Earnshaw, and see what uh, what he knows in terms of any, any latest news, even if that does happen, um, we will be staying up and here's why. So, Reading stayed up last season with 41 points, but they would have stayed up with 38 points because the, the the team, third from bottom, finished with 37. And uh, we've currently got 44 points. So if you deduct six points from that, that would be 38, which is what we finished on last season. And we still got 12 games remaining. So that's the first thing. And then even if we get that six-point deduction, one thing that's really important to say is the teams that are in the bottom three are there for a reason, and it's because they pick up less points than the mid-table team. So I reckon 41 or 42 points will probably be enough to stay up. So realistically, Reading need three or four points, something like that, from the next 12 games to be safe, even with that deduction. And we've picked up six points in our last five games. So even if we do get six points deducted, we are going to be safe. So that's my view on it. So, without further ado, a very warm welcome to James Earnshaw, who is the Reading Chronicle Royals reporter. So, James, wel- uh, welcome to the show, to you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Mark. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. And uh, let- let's get straight to the point, James. Um, firstly, I want to hear your view on why it went so badly wrong at Middlesbrough on Saturday. And, and then also, why do you think Red-Ins seem to struggle so much in the away games compared to the home form?
3: Because if I uh, knew the answer to that question, I wouldn't be sat here. I'd be in Paul Inks' seat, I think, more than anything. Um, I don't know, but the away form is such a tough one. But we line up basically exactly the same at home and we do, as we do away. And obviously at home we get a lot more success because I think teams are naturally a bit more sort of defensive and maybe they allow us to, to create a few more chances, whereas at away... The other team obviously have to take the advantage because they're at home. And then I sort of, you can't defend for 90 minutes and expect to not give away chances. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So, um, you know, you defend and defend and defend and inevitably they're going to get chances and they obviously take them. Um, it's frustrating and it's more frustrating that they don't seem to be doing anything about it. I mean, you know, we've had this problem all season and they still just keep saying it's bad, it's bad. You know, we know it's bad, but we've got the good home form. You can't keep relying on the good home form because eventually it might try up and then you're going to have to start getting points away from home. Um, so, you know, we've got, what, five or six more away games to go. See what we can get from them.
1: James,
0: why are they inconsistent? I mean, obviously, you know, they've had a pre-season, they've brought the players in. And, and I agree with, I mean, Paul Oskar made the comment that the, the owners have ripped the, ripped the crap out of that club. You know, but you know they—they're they're so inconsistent. So, like I said, good home form. Uh, obviously, on my Twitter feed with the Reading fans. Mm. You know football fans are not stupid. They know who play, who don't play, who who, who's, who wears the jersey like we did in back in the nineties with pride. You know, and and, and we were, we went on the money that they're on now. We did we did it for the love of the game. We 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 had a bit of, you know. We wanted the club to always do well. Yes, we weren't going to win every game. We all, we always went out there, and the, the manager picked the team to win the game. And I'm, I'm you know, the the tweets I'm reading, it's like the, the frustration with the players, that you know, the, the the play, it's like it doesn't matter to them. You know, I think you know they rely on that home form. Going away from home, they should make sure they consolidate at the back, make sure that they don't concede, mm. but still go and try and score, still go and play attacking football. You know, because other teams do the homework, they'll be doing the analysis on Reading Football Club and say, right, this is where we get them. Mm. And it's working like that. And and if they don't get out of that mentality, Mike says they're, in, they're not going to get relegated or they're not going to be in the bottom three. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough out there and... and Reading Football Club is a massive, massive football club with a massive fan base. And it seems that, it, and, and, and I, I don't watch the games, but a friend of mine I've just had a coffee with this morning, he went to, the, he went to Reading against, I can't remember which game, it was. I got him tickets, he flew from South Africa okay. to London. And I got him tickets and he says, they were brilliant. He says, what a team, what a stadium, you know, fans were brilliant. And 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 now we're talking about you know they 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 can't perform away from home they're not playing but what you know why?
3: Yeah, again I've got absolutely no idea, and if I did know I'd be pulling uh, for the when it comes to the away form I mean, it's just ridiculous. But they do play more or less exactly the same at home as they do away, so I think it's mainly down to the other team. When 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 Reading do go away, the other team obviously unleash a bit more because they're at home and it's their expectation they should take the game to the away team. Whereas Reading, other than the Blackpool game, Reading don't tend to do that. They tend to play the same at home as they do away. And it's almost like being the away team in a home game. James, maybe uh, you
1: get away with a bit more at home. James, just just want to ask you, you were at the game, I take it, on Saturday?
3: mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. What, what was it about that? Because obviously there was that discussion after the Liverpool-Man United game, similar... Sort of thing. Um, was it a case of Middlesbrough were really good? Was it that Reading were really bad? Was it a bit of both? What was your take on that?
3: Yeah, it was definitely a bit of both at the beginning, and then come the end, Reading had just capitulated as we've seen them do quite a few times this season, especially away. Um, sort of Middlesbrough came out of the traps, you know, as you'd expect from a home team in form. And Reading had just about ridden out of that wave, so they've got like twenty minutes. And you thought, right, they can start settling and they can pass the ball a bit now. And then they give away the penalty, which obviously is a contentious penalty. Um, and then they were denied the penalty, uh, and then it was the goal right on halfway, halfway when Mbengue lost the ball and uh, they ran straight from the halfway line in stoppage time that just killed the game, two 0 in, in stoppage time in the first half, and it's just. They came out and they just weren't there. I mean, I think they conceded three goals in six minutes either side of the break. I mean, it was just they just didn't come out like they could get anything out of it after, after the break. And,
1: and let's um, let's sort of bring bring things up to speed. What's the, the latest that, that you're hearing, James, about the six-point deduction? What, what's the latest as you understand it? Uh,
3: the club are expecting it, um, so it's going to be coming at some point, I think. Um, I'm told that it's it's going to be only six. So all this stuff about being 12, as far as I'm aware, it's not going to be 12, it's going to be six, which will drop Reading down to 21st, um, six points clear of the bottom three. Um, so, yeah, I think it, that, that's the big thing now, is how do the players react? Do the players come out with slumped shoulders and get fed up that they've had those points docked? Or do they come out with a bit of fire in their belly hoping to prove people wrong? Because I think last season it was horrendous for form. I don't think they won for the next two or three months after getting the deduction Um if they do that, they'll be relegated. So, um, yeah, we need to bounce back quickly.
1: Uh, and Johnny, bring you in now. What, what do you want to ask, James?
2: Yeah, James, let's just say um, you know you've dealt with Paul in press conferences, and he's getting quite uh, difficult to deal with. <clears I think> that's <throat> not the best word. Um, And his excuses, you know, you interview him every every time, and you know it's it's very the same, the same, the same, isn't it? Blames the players, doesn't I don't think he takes
3: responsibilities around you enough for his decisions. Yeah, yeah, I can see where you're coming from in that. There's definitely a lot of um, sort of finger pointing. I do think he's quite good at dishing the blame to lots of people. So I think it is good in some ways. I don't think it's targeted, you know, so at the players constantly. So the players are disappointed. But you've got to hope that he knows his players and squad well enough that he knows how far he can push them in the media and how far he can call them out and kind of what their characters are before some of them will will stand up and prove it on the pitch and you know some players don't take well to criticism um, and hopefully you know he's kept those ones out of the media and you know they don't react negatively and it kind of spurs them on as opposed to bashes them down uh, I
2: has you- been bad for a few years isn't it you know we, this isn't the one season wonder I, I, you know, I spent a breath over the last few years has been so poor and I think it's the mental thing for the team isn't it you know it's
3: it, what, sorry, was that defensively?
2: Just, yeah, like, you know, that, you know but I think Underwood's been letting four goals in yeah. times or something. I saw some stat like that, and that's just crazy.
3: Yeah, I think it comes down to just how much pressure the defence are under, though. I mean, if you're under pressure constantly throughout a game, you're going to give away chances eventually. Um, they always say that the best form of defence is attack, and, and it's kind, you can kind of see why, because they get the ball at the other end of the pitch and it's harder to then break and, and score, and so much of play is in Reading's half all it takes is one mistake, and and they're in, and they inevitably seem
1: to score at the minute. Uh, Dylan, I just want to come to you now. Um, if you, you know, if you were in Paul Ince's shoes after Saturday, um, you know the, the the form at the moment is read in win at home, lose away, win at home, lose away, and then you get you get that five 0 at Middlesbrough, and like Johnny was saying, Paul Ince is complaining about penalties. Um and kind of almost in a way ignoring the bigger picture, focusing too much on isolated incidents. And yeah, of course, it could have changed the course of the game if you know, if um Middlesbrough hadn't been awarded a penalty and Reading had, but then ultimately it's a five-nil defeat. What would you be saying, you know, as as a man as a current manager, what would you be saying to your players? You know, if you were in Paul Lynch's shoes after a defeat like that?
0: Well, it's really weird now because, you know, the, obviously the world's changing and, you know, you can't shout at players anymore. You can't swear at players anymore. You know, back in the day, if you weren't having a good game, you'd be hooked off and you'd be absolutely, uh, you know, slaughtered by the gaffer and you were your teammates would actually, you know, have a few words to say. But now you... you <laughs> I don't believe that happens in football, and you know, players haven't got the backbone now to take you know a, a criticism, you know. And like James says, you know, when you when your back falls under so much pressure, you know, they they, they are going to succumb to a goal. When I when I got when I lost my job at Swallows, we we lost four 0 We were absolutely superb, and I said to the players uh, after the game, I, I got in the dressing room. I said, guys, play like that, but take your chances. You'll 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 win more than you'll lose, you know you, you've got the quality, but we made four mistakes we, we made four basic errors you know and 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 obviously it was my second game on the bench. It's my second loss and I, and, and i got <laughs> I got told that I was no longer required at swallows uh but i never i never I've learned not to to signal out any player uh, here in South Africa because they don't like that they, they haven't got their strength of character. To, to 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 accept criticism. You know, and like yesterday, we should have we we should have won like Liverpool did 7-0. But it, they, they didn't go in for us. You know, and, and I said to them afterwards, you know, I, I'm angry, I'm upset, but I'm so pleased that we created 17, 17 great opportunities. They scored they had 17 opportunities in the last, in the five games before I took over, in total in five games, they had six chances. You know, and the and and I think Paul, I think I think Ince's got to now, you know, get the players back on on his side, get the players to play for him. Like they have done, like they do at home. You know, get the players to play for him. You know, yes, they lost five nil. Yes, they might have a penalty decision that goes against them. Everybody has some decision that goes against them that we don't like. But you've got to you've got to keep that 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 team that squad of players interested and. Sometimes you need to like say, hang on. We need to freshen this up. We need to throw a couple of young kids in there, you know, get get some young blood in there, get some runners in there, get somebody that's hungry and that's that's uh, you know desperate to to go and put that extra shift in, and and maybe he, he needs to look at that. The the academy is still one of the best academies in in, in the country, you know. So he, he must start he must start thinking, use these players, you know, because then that gives the senior players a bit of a scare, you know, and then think, hang on, I don't want this young 17, 18-year-old coming into the in my position because if he does well, he stays in. And, you know, that that's how football works.
1: Yeah. And, and James, I just want to talk to you a little bit now about your role and, and how it works, because, you know, I was a, a sports journalist, a football writer, going back to 1989, obviously showing my age now. You know, we didn't even have internet or anything in those days <laughs> that long ago. Um, so tell us a little bit about, firstly, you know, how the job at the Reading Chronicle came about. You know, are, are you from Reading? Were you a Reading fan before you took the job? And, you know, did you did you decide sort of quite early on that you wanted to be a, a football reporter? How how did that all happen for you?
3: Yeah, so I'm um, Reading, born and bred, uh, Talhurst. Um went to school, obviously, locally, did all my qualifications and then did uh, football journalism at uni um, at Derby, which is the only course um, that does football journalism, uh, the only uni. Uh, so graduated, obviously, through COVID, which was brought its own struggles. Um, and then, yeah, I did loads of work experience in the past with the Reading Chronicle. And then I saw this role came up because uh, Matt Joy the previous one had left. Uh, me and Benji were the final two a bit more experienced than me he picked me to the post but they offered me a a job in the sort of general news team so I helped uh, with the odd game of Benji and and whatever else and kind of showed him around Reading and the the club and you know the little bits that maybe as an American or not a Reading fan you wouldn't necessarily know that you'd have to research Um, and then yeah he obviously had that opportunity at Southampton that you couldn't turn down and then they offered me I was on a a sunbed in Egypt uh, and they offered me one to say, you know, Benji so- left. Yeah. So-
0: it's, yeah. It's, it's hot in Egypt.
3: Yeah, yeah I was just, I was, it, was in, it was in the morning, so it wasn't too hot.
0: No, no, not having that. You don't use sunbeds in Africa.
3: And then, um, yeah, and then they, they, so when I came back, so my last game sort of in the stands sort of a 4-1 defeat to Blackpool. And then my first game covering it as a journalist was a 4-0 defeat to Nottingham Forest. So... Uh, How long ago was that? In, uh, last, it was Paul Lynch's first away game it was the Nottingham Forest one.
1: So I saw you at the game about a year, ago, just just over a year ago, home to Millwall. Yeah. And just before you came in, I think, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, because Benji was still there.
1: Yeah, That's so great. that might have been the handover period. Yeah. And just, what are your... Um, in In... in your capacity as as a Reading fan, but more so now as a reporter, what what do you, what do you make of the, of the situation? Obviously in your time as a fan goes back, you know, quite a way, but in terms of the role just over a year, um, Mm -hmm. there's been, it feels like there's been a few little developments, but not a lot seems to have changed in the last, what's your take on it?
3: It's been difficult because we've just been so hamstrung by the EFL. I mean, when I came in, it was basically the lowest. I mean, we just had that uh, fan demonstration at the Coventry game. We just, you know, had the big 20, what, 23,000 sellout, more or less, for the Coventry game and lost. And everyone was angry. And, you know, we we just about survived at the Barnsley game, the Swansea 4-4, the Sheffield United last-minute win. And obviously everyone was on a high. The summer was horrendous because obviously Reading couldn't really bring anybody in of any notes you know that you'd if, if you weren't in restrictions i don't think there's many that reading would have gone for that they've got now obviously they couldn't keep any of the key players that they would like to have kept um but sort of being in more inside the club now than i than i was i could definitely assure the fans or reassure the fans that things are getting better than they were when i first came in there's much more of a plan obviously at the minute they can't put that plan into action because they have got two hands and both arms behind their back but um should they stay up this year with the deduction, then it should be really back to square one and EFLs kind of leave us alone a bit. And, um, you know, it's back to sort of, you know, square one and how it should be.
1: And James, just, just on that, I've got one more question after this, but, but just on that, I think the hope for a lot of Reading fans, myself included, is that we get the, transfer embargo stuff out of the way we get the points deductions out of the way and like you said we can kind of go back to to square one and start again in the summer realistically is that what's going to happen and then next season we will see the difference is that how you see it as things stand yeah obviously with the FL, everything
3: can change and you know there's a lot of smoke and mirrors still but my understanding is that you know, should we, you know, should the point of deduction be, be dealt out, which we we're expecting it to, and should we stay up next year? Then the idea is we've had our punishment and then we can sort of build. And then you've got a little bit of money. I mean, we're not going to go out, well, you know, I hope we're not going to go out and spend money like we did last time and get into the same position. We've now got a sporting director, we've now got scouts, we've now got, you know, everyone seems to be on the same page where we should be able to actually put down a plan over two, three, four years and. And get there rather than just splurge money and, and try and cheat the system again like we did last time.
1: And the, and the six-point deduction, it would definitely be this season as far as you understand, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, now, I'll, just, I'll bring the other two lads in in a second, but I just want to ask you, because obviously I go back a, a long way uh, in terms of my career in sports journalism, reporting on football. The role of a football writer is it's kind of the same, but the way that you do it has changed so much. So tell us a bit about you know how you actually go about being the uh, Reading re- reporter for for the Reading Chronicle. Um, you know, and and how do you kind of compete with the immediacy of everything with social media? How how do you sort of? Why would somebody pay attention to you, James Earnshaw from the Reading Chronicle, when they can get all their news about Reading elsewhere? How how do you deal with that situation?
3: Yeah, it's with social media now. You've got to create a personality. You've got to become a figure and a, and a person online that people can trust and people in, can go to. And that obviously takes time to build up. You've got to have a, a, a track record over you know a number of months. People don't just I don't just come in and people trust me straight away. Um, but obviously, it's helped being a Reading fan and already having a hell of a lot of Reading followers on Twitter anyway. In my you know my previous role my, my life as a fan as opposed to so actually having it as a job um but yeah it's, it's changed beyond obviously with the internet now you know the paper kind of takes a back seat uh, when the news comes out you get it up straight away and and people read it and i'm judged on on how many people read my stories and, and the online stuff as opposed to the print editions which obviously would have been in, in your time i do enjoy and take pride in, it, in doing print especially my supplement i do every week uh do eight eight pages of of content, and um, I think that's still very important because there's a whole, you know, group of people that don't use social media. So I, me, and well, especially with Berkshire Live now not being a print, I am really Reading's only source of printed news every week, uh, which is a great responsibility. Um, but yeah,
1: it's it's all about social media online now these days, really. Uh, and, and Johnny, is there anything else that, that you want to ask James about anything to do with Reading? Yeah, James, how do you feel now? that your relationship and all the local journalists have with the club, is it in
2: a good place compared to last year before? Uh, I think so. Um,
3: obviously, I've only ever known Paul Lint as, as the manager in, in my capacity and he's always been amazing with me. Uh, obviously, my first job out of uni. Um, so, you know, I was learning my trade and at the same time he was obviously learning the ropes at Reading as well because he came in a few weeks before I did. Uh, but he's he's been really, really good and you know consistent and um i think the communication is the bit that the club are obviously trying to improve on i think it was important that they put that statement out last week when all the rumours were going around from the EFL because um, obviously the fans fans need you to know um and pauline did say on thursday in the press conference that that was crucial to him was that all these rumours at the minute he knew anything the fans would knew everything because you know how are fans supposed to trust the club and him and, and the players if, if they're not told What's going on, um, which has probably been you know lax over the last three or four years. Um, so uh, it's hard to tell, you know, because it's obviously you, you've got to see how it goes. But from where I'm sat now, I think things are moving in the right direction.
1: And Dylan, bring you back in now. What what else do you want to speak to James about?
0: It touched it, on it about the scouting network. We've got a, uh, a sporting director, obviously Mark Boyne, still there. Mm. Mark Boy's been getting hammered on uh, Twitter it's not nice to be you know spoken bad about on 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 social media uh, but I'm a football fan you know um, I you know <laughs> I could say a lot about football results you know from you know I'm a man United fan I'm a Leeds fan <laughs> I'm a Barnsley fan I'm a Reds fan I'm a Kilmarnock fan you know nobody likes to be you know spoken bad, bad about in the, in the media especially now you know back in the day there was Clive Baskerville <laughs> you know that that you know did all the reports and and it, it it we we've kind of lost that you know the fans' verdict. You know, Clive always had uh, the Reading Evening Post had this fans' verdict where you know some random fan had given his version of the the game. But when the transfer embargo, so they can start again, where are the where are they going to find these players? Where where's the scouting network go? You know, because I I don't see that. In, in in you know in a football club that's you know bringing foreigners in and where's the local talent where's the academy development where's the players that are playing non-league that you know can 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 you can always pick somebody are they mm-hmm. going around and, and doing this research are they going around and I go into the villages and, and the rural areas. I mean I will go like uh, when I was in Bluefontain I did uh, a two hour drive you know to go and watch a village football game and these players are absolutely amazing mm. they'll never be professional because there's like 60 million of them you know and but for reading now it's a it's a restructure it's a rebuilding so how is their scouting network how is they? you know where, where's the where's the next James Lambert gonna come Stuart Lovell gonna come from Andy Williams
3: you know where, yeah, where the, are they- the Scouting network is something that they've been very you know, when Paul took the, the main job from Interim, he kind of went in and said, look, you know, if I'm going to take this job, I need to have a, a, a backroom picture. So we brought in Mark Bowen, brought in Brian Carey as the head of recruitment. They've just um, picked up Sheffield United's head of recruitment. So he's now another scout. But it is still very much a, an ongoing um, sort of beast kind of thing. I mean, Instant and Alex Ray still travel to, to two or three games a week to watch themselves, which you probably really shouldn't be doing this day and age. As, as You know, a club should have enough scouts where the, man, the first team manager, they should go to maybe see the game immediately or two before to see how the team play, but you shouldn't be out there really scouting players. You should have a team, a network of people like Reading used to, um, yeah, I, to I, do Yeah, I'll, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll disagree with you there. I'll disagree with you there because if that's what they're doing, that shows that they, they, they are looking. And yes, they may have a... You know, I don't have a video analysis, I don't have a sports scientist because I'm qualifying in, in both of them, you know, and a lot of clubs here now are jumping on the bandwagon that they've got to have seven, mm. eight, nine technical team members. You know, I, I don't believe that because I you know I feel that I need to take responsibility because it's my responsibility to, to do my job. So I actually I actually like that if they are going to see these mm. games. You know, like going to watch Wickham Wanderers, going to watch you know Slough Town, going to watch Wokingham, going to see that they can bring somebody in that that will. I call it a jigsaw.
2: Mm. You
0: know, when I was at, when I when I played at Reading, Mark McGee had a jigsaw puzzle, and he he brought pieces. You know, and and they all they all had to fit. You can't mm. bang the pieces <laughs> into. You can't. Try and fit a circle into a square or a, mm. a try into a, a rectangle. He had to get that and, and it worked. It worked because he identified them players. You know, I never expected to sign for Reading in the millennials. Never. I came down to Reading. Andy Gray, who didn't play much when I was at Reading, he was the first player I, I met at Elm Park. Mike Lewis, um, uh, Rabbits. Uh, lovely wife i can't remember her name now so she's going to hate me for this you know so uh, and we got players mark got players to to play in his in his style in his in his in his in his, in his theory and it worked and i think that's what you have to what pauline needs to do he needs to for Reading's football club's future you know he needs to get the right players in that want to play for reading football club mm-hmm. not just because they're out of work or they can't get a job or they'll be released from a Premier League club. Bring the players in. That's going to fit into his idea, into his philosophy, into mm. his... Yeah, well he's not going to able
3: to do that, is he, at the minute? Because it's all been picking no. up other people's odds and sods. And...
0: But now he's going to have yeah. that opportunity. Well, hopefully, yeah. he's going to
1: have the opportunity to do that. Mm. James... You know, just in case anyone's uh, listening and wondering uh, why Johnny's gone quiet, he he's back at work now. He he um, <laughs> he's had to he's had to go back to work. He was on a he literally was on a work break, so he he joined us for kind of the first half. But he's gone now. So bye, Johnny. Thanks thanks for uh, everybody's uh, now. now. Everybody's awake now. So <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So um, James, I just I've got a couple of questions for you. So the first one is about Paul Ince. Um, I, I appreciate you might not want to give your opinion because you've you've got a relationship with him. You might not want to be I don't know inverted commas too honest. But can you firstly understand that there are still a lot of Reading fans that want somebody else? Um, you know, do you what? What do you think will will happen uh, based on your understanding? What do you think? You know will will happen with the situation with with paul Ince. do do you see mm. him do you see him staying at, at reading for a while and you know what what has kind of been the 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 vibe that you get coming out of the club about his position and Alex Ray and all that sort of thing
3: yeah obviously everybody's um you know going to have their own view and everyone's entitled to that and not, no manager is ever going to be universally loved to be I'm sure there were times when people wanted Coppel's head before they went on to get 106. And, you know, McDermott was hard done by the second time round and, you know, people were still calling for his, his head. Personally, I think, um, providing we stay up, I think it's Paul Lynch's job if he still wants it. I think it's a long-term sort of project. And I can kind of see from his perspective, he's had, what, 18 months to work with nothing. I think he's well entitled to have, you know, a chance with, with a bit of something to see what he can do because I don't think we've really seen what Paul Ince thinks he should be able to show us, you know, with his own resources and players that he wants and then players that are probably of a better standard than we than what we've been able to attract. But with that, there comes added pressure and there comes increased expectation, particularly on the, the style of football and the quality of football. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's, you know, if he keeps us up this year, he's done two sort of fireman jobs. And, um, you know, I, th- I think, you know, why not give him a, give him a chance to uh, see what he can do with a bit more resources?
1: And, and is it is that the way the club's looking at it? Is that the way that Paul's looking at it? That, that keep, you know, the mission is keep the club up and then reset in the summer. Is that what it's all about? Yeah, that's all he said.
3: He, all he said from day one was 50 points, stay up, but then we can reassess. Because I think they've known from from the summer that more or less, you know, this... Should fingers crossed, providing nothing else comes up, this should be the, the end of it, really, in terms of this sort of batch of EFL regulations and you know, and sort of hamstringing in the club for now. Um, so I think this, you know, this hopefully should be the light at the end of the tunnel. But now, you know, six points down and the pressure ramps up on staying up because it's not going to be easy.
1: Mm. And, and before I bring Dylan back in, just, just wanted to get your view big, big game tomorrow night, Sheffield United, um, obviously at home. Reading doing better at home than away at the moment, obviously. What, what's your view or, um, and how do you see that game going tomorrow?
3: Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a difficult run with uh, Millwall and Blackburn on, on next Wednesday as well. All playoff chasing teams. Um, you'd like to think you'd see a reaction. I mean, the players you'd like to think are hurting and, and you know, should be embarrassed, really. They're losing 5-0, no matter how well you played or what penalties were and weren't given. You shouldn't be losing 5-0. That should hurt your professional pride. And you should want to go out and, um, you know, and prove people that you're better than that. So it's all now down to the players' own personal pride and, and personal sort of feelings and ambitions. And Paulin shouldn't have to say much at all, really, tomorrow. It should be right. Well, you know, you, you cocked up last week. Go out and put it right in front of more of your home fans and, and get ourselves out of this mess that you put us in. Uh, you I'll bring you you're
0: back in. No, you, right, you, you, you watch them week in, week out. What's missing? what's missing uh,
3: a creative spark is missing just
0: about players having five nil and you know they've got to be they've got to, you know bounce back but what's what's been missing is it a, is it a playmaker is it yeah um, a is it a is it a striker? I mean Andy Carroll you know I'm not an Andy Carroll fan never have been <laughs> but I don't know the guy I don't know, know the guy you know somebody that's you know done... You know, he's at the end of his career. You know, I'm not criticising him because I don't know him, man. I, and I, mm. I've only seen him there when he was at Newcastle and Liverpool. You know, but I mean, what, what's what's missing? What do you see that's missing? I yesterday I saw um, for for for. I mean, we had 85 percent of the game. I mean, it was unbelievable. And what was missing for me was that clinical finisher. Mm. You know, we played so one touch two touch football we were so entertaining the fans 10,000 bloomfontein fans were absolutely we we didn't leave the pitch for half an hour because they was they didn't want they they were so happy but we didn't score a goal so what what you watch some week in week out what are they missing what's what's that what's that one two three player that they they they're, they're missing
3: they're missing john swift i think if you put john swift in this team i think he'd pick up five or six more points because the ball, you know, eventually gets up to, to the attacking third and there's no one to thread it through to the strikers. So you can't get the best out of Lucas Shaw because Lucas Shaw's best season came when he had Michael Aliso and, and John Swift threading in balls. And if you create four chances, he'll score two of them. Reading yeah. don't create four chances, they might create one. So they need that striker to score. But in fairness, Andy Carroll, you know, seven goals this season, I think this is his highest return for a good six or seven years. Tom Ince is having the best career of his season best season of his career um, I think they haven't necessarily always utilised uh, their players to the best strengths I mean it took until last Saturday for Yaku Mate to be played in his, you know, his proper position out wide and he absolutely tore Blackpool to shreds um, but yeah I think would, it's, it's just, James,
0: just James, seven goals, how many games has he played?
3: Uh, I don't know probably what. Most of them probably.
0: So, what we, we had, we had Jimmy Quinn, we had Archie, right? If, if, if Quinny didn't score, Archie scored. We had, we had a way of playing. We knew that when we got the ball wide, put it in the box, Quinny had score. When we knew we, we, we needed to play, make sure that Archie got on the ball, he'd score. Lino would score. You know, we, we had these, we had, we had, so seven goals. You know, he's not... A, and again, I'm. this is not nitpicking, but you just said seven goals. I mean, he's a big lad. He's a strong lad. He's not got the energy. He's not got the legs as he did when he was at, when he was at Newcastle and at Liverpool. You know, Quinny didn't... Quinny was 35. We knew what Quinny could do. We we gave him service because we knew he'd scored a goal, you know, or he'd scored two goals. So, I mean...
3: It's the, a service. Yeah. They, they need, yeah, and and again that comes down to not playing players in the best position we've we've not always played with wingers yet we've got Andy Carroll so you've not really got crosses in the box and the crosses that they have put in the box haven't been very good crosses because they're usually full backs that are, are playing wing back and you know crossing isn't really their their best strength um, but obviously it's needs must because none of the strikers have, have sort of popped up and, and had a run where they go right I'm the striker I'm going to stay in this team because I'm going to keep scoring goals. So they've they mixed and match. I think they've had nine or ten strike partnerships um, over the course of the season. And I think Carroll's on nine. Obviously, Tommy's the top scorer with nine or ten. Shane Long's got two. Um, and Lucas shaw has got two or three. You know, they're all chipping in, but there's there's no one that's stepping up with 10, 15 goals.
1: Yeah. James, just just wanted to ask you, like, obviously we've kind of touched on it already. Get to the summer. All being well, we'll stay up. Um, and then the rebuild starts, if you like, and, and we're laying some foundations. What type of players do you think um, Reading need to bring in 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 the summer? Is it kind of key positions or is it a, a type of player with a certain characteristic? Or I think you
3: know, we need to... Um... We need to actually start buying assets, I think, for a start. Because if you look at the championship, it's a selling league championship. You can't always keep your best players. And, you know, look at the successful championship teams. They've always had players that they buy for half a million quid or a million quid and they sell them for 10, 15 million quid. You know, and that's how most most championship clubs make their money or, you know, lose less money because no one really makes money in the championship. But how you save off those losses is you might get a couple of big sales. Reading I haven't done that for God knows how. I mean, at least they were the only one. And he should have gone for double what he went for if it wasn't for the clause in his contract. Um, You know, I think the next one's going to be in Bengue. I think if he can extend his contract beyond this season, because he's only on one to the end of the year at the minute, he's still 20. He's still incredibly raw, but there's one hell of a defender in there. And uh, he if you you, you sign him for free, he'll easily go for a couple of million quids probably in this current market. And that's then money you can then reinvest that you've You've made you know low no risk, high reward. Josh Laurent, you know, he signed him for free. If it wasn't for him being out of contract, he just sold him for three or four million quid, probably, maybe even more. If he wasn't quite the age that he was at, but he walks away for nothing. John Swift, ten million quid player, you don't sell him at his peak of his assets. You you know drag it out. He walks away for nothing. Lucas Zhao is going to probably looking likely to walk away for nothing. You have got all these
1: assets and so you're
3: not making the most
1: out of them. And James, just uh, just finish up. Looking ahead again to tomorrow night. Um, Prediction from you, please. Uh, I'm going to go for 1 1. I think
3: they are kind of, well, you know, they've they've lost three of the last four. Um, They need a win, obviously, to keep themselves near the top end of, well, in the top two. But I don't know. just hope we can drag it out. Um, But, you know, who knows with Reading these days?
1: and ask the same your prediction for tomorrow really. In- nice. Incy will have
0: ripped the will have ripped the arse out of them players you know <laughs> one thing about Incy is his character you know he will he will not want to be embarrassed by one of them results again so I think he I think he might sneak a little 1-0 uh, or a 2-1 tomorrow so um, yeah you know I'm going to go <laughs> I, I, I loved him as a player you know as a character and I think that's that's one thing he's got to bring
1: out in these players. Get characters on that field tomorrow. I'll uh, I'll give my prediction now, and and actually it's the same as yours, James. But that was my prediction before you said anything. So I'll, I'll go for one all as well. So none of, interestingly, none of us think that Sheffield United are going to win. So that's that's something positive to look forward to. Hopefully, so um, listen. That's all we've got time for tonight. A reminder that on Wednesday evening our guest is the current Royals commercial director, Tim. Kilpatrick. That's available anytime from 7 pm on Wednesday. And then on Thursday evening, we're hoping, and we've got our fingers crossed that we'll have Royals Legend, Leroy Lita, as our special guest, still to be confirmed. But hopefully that will be uh happening and and you'll be able to listen to that from Thursday evening onwards. And all that leaves me to say is thank you to our special guest James Earnshaw. Thank you as ever to to Dylan. Joining us all the way from South Africa as usual, and and thank you, Johnny. Even though you're not here <laughs> anymore, uh, and and finally, come on, you are's.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh baby, Mama's
3: bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>